Welcome to another episode of my Chats with Changemakers series. This is a, a series that's very near and dear to my heart. I've met so many incredible people along my journey of trying to overcome adversity and take the reins of my own life. And I cannot and have not and will not be able to do it alone. So I have, uh, I've really wanted to share these um, beautiful souls and their stories and all the things that they have done to overcome and change their lives around. So today I'm very, very pleased and excited, excuse me, to present to you another awesome guest. And this is Sheldon R.S. Crocker. And let me tell you, Sheldon has quite a number of accolades. So I'm just going to read out a little bit about him and his accomplishments to date. So Sheldon is a past president of the Positive Thinkers Club, which is where we met Sheldon. And that was probably, well, that was at the beginning of the pandemic, wasn't it? It was before that, I believe. Yeah, somewhere probably like, well, three years ago, I'm going to say on the safe side. Yes. So, so first of all, yeah, the past president of the Positive Thinkers Club, author of a new book called Keep on Walking which is a transformative and inspirational journey. He's also been featured in the news interviews, including being interviewed on CBC radio. He is a three-time college graduate. He has personal experience of dealing with topics and issues that he speaks about, which is what we want, authenticity. And he has been on a journey and he has stopped his addiction 20 plus years ago, and he's happy to help others along the way. So Sheldon, I think that captures most of what you're up to, because I know there's lots more. And uh, welcome, welcome to the Meridian community and to the Meridian space. How are you this beautiful sunny day here in St. John's, Newfoundland? Well, thank you so much, Pamela, for having me here. It is my honor and my privilege to be a part of your community. And it's a great day here. It's fantastic to see the sunshine in Newfoundland. We don't get much, enough summer. Um, <laughs> when, we do, when we do get it, we do get it. And it's great. But we it's, sure always about, it's always about carrying them the, hurt, the sunshine in our own hearts and our minds anyway. So, you know, Absolutely. And, Sometimes we got to uh, create our own sunshine. But it's, it's always nice when you can walk outside and it's there. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's great. So yeah, you summed me up pretty well. Um, interview is <laughs> over. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay, everybody, we're all done now. <laughs> Michelle, no. we uh, we we mentioned and we had a little chat about the photo. So first of all, your background is beautiful. Why don't Thank you yeah. tell the uh, the watchers and um, the listeners what that image is? The image behind me, my virtual background. Mm -hmm. We have to love Zoom because before COVID. No, most of us never heard of Zoom before. <laughs> so um, I'm able to sh proudly show off my hometown of Chansco, Trinity Bay, Newfoundland. It's a picture of the wharf with all the boats next to the water. And it's actually a bright sunny day there as well. Now that picture wasn't taken yesterday. Um, I believe that picture was taken over 20 years ago. Um, when I last lived, when I last visited the place, I haven't been there in many years. But it will always be my hometown, and it will be always be my home because it's where I was raised and where I grew up, and I feel like I'm always going to be a Bayman, no matter how many years I'm away. Oh, my gosh. Well, that is, um, that's exactly how I feel because 
like you, I'm uh well, I'm going to say I'm a bay woman, <laughs> bayman, bay woman. And uh, that's where my heart and soul is. So it's, you can take the girl or the guy or the person out of the bay, but it's pretty hard to take the bay out of the person. That's right. There's no place like, there's no place like it around the bay in, in my mind anyway. Yes, yes. So Sheldon, to start off, I'd love for you to, to tell us um, some of your earliest memories, because we are, this, this whole conversation and this series is about getting into some of our deepest parts of our soul, which often um, are created and these memories and these patterns, these behaviors uh, when we're kids when we look up to others to take care of us and we're learning how to be people. So we are conditioned and influenced by our environment. So we have this right. beautiful image of Chance Cove. So can you take us back to some of your earliest memories of growing up in Chance Cove and, and maybe some um, impressions that you had about life, you, your family, that you think that really kind of uh, stuck with you? I sure can. Thank you very much for asking me that question. Growing up in the small community of only 300 per persons, I okay. was the only person there with a physical disability. I was laughed at and bullied by most of my peers and I was never thought to be able to do anything. And people thought back then in small town in Newfoundland in the 1970s thought that because I had a physical disability that I would never be able to work I would never be able to do anything for myself. Being born, not being able to walk, I wasn't supposed to be able to walk at all. I didn't start walking until I was almost six years old. I had braces on my legs and barrier between my shoes, connecting both feet until I was about six. The only way I could get downstairs was to sit on my bum, bop me way downstairs because I couldn't walk. Um, but it was only like six years ago, I actually completed the Tele 10 race here in New Air in St. John's. Eight of 30 other people. That's um, incredible. My, and just to, you know, that is this Sunday. Yeah. I know done it this year. <laughs> <laughs> no. And this is what the 95th. So Sheldon, considering uh, just those few sentences, that's impressive. 10 miles. Yeah. And you were six when you started uh, yeah. really walking. Yeah, and the doctor told my parents I would most likely never walk on my own. So incredible. Um, and I, being growing up, being an only person there with a disability, no one else gave me any credit for anything. So just because the picture behind me is sunny, it wasn't always sunny in Chance Cove. Mm -hmm. um, my father was an alcoholic who treated my mother and likewise me um, very bad physically. He, um, he used to come home drunk quite often and take advantage of my mother. Um, and me being an only child, not very able to look after me to physically defend myself or whatever. There was a few times he actually would throw me against the wall um, tell me I would never be anything besides a disabled welfare bomb. Quite often, like almost every single day I would hear that. You know, you'll never be anything besides a disabled welfare bum. I'd be better off if you were never born. Mm. So I didn't have no brothers and sisters to go through anything with. He was saying, oh, you were an only child. You must have had it great. No, not necessarily. I'm not 
just shortage a lot of people who are only children who are spoiled rotten but there's daughters there's jobs inside as well yeah there's always so, that isn't there there is always there's two sides two sides of recoin right so i i took that and i started drinking at a much much younger age so how like old eight. would you say eight i was going to say i was eight years old when i started drinking and I was like 12 years old when I started doing drugs. Recently, well, drinking these drugs, but never hardcore drugs besides drinking when I was like 12. And to numb the mental pain of not having anyone to look up to. You spoke a bit earlier about having role models, everybody to look up to, or somebody that you can go to for guidance and help. When your own father is um, abusive and your mother don't feel like you're having that she has any control in her life because the way her husband is she takes her frustrations out on me or out on you or out on the children mm-hmm. um and she would she would beat me with the belt and be very severe like making sure that the buckle of the belt the, the metal part was hitting me she would make sure that that's the part that was hitting me when she would, for example if i went to college if i went to college sorry that's years later um if I went to school and my cousins, for example, got 85% on an exam and I got 80%, 80% is a great mark. Mm. But, um, but if I got 80% compared to their 85, she would beat me with the belt. Why can't you be more like them? Why can't you be more like them? She would always say, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was always compared, I was always compared to others when I was always told I wasn't good enough. So that continued for most of my life. Until I was sort of like, well, most of my younger life, until I was like 17. Mm-hmm. And then I just, I had no self, I had no self confidence. I was anxious, worried all the time, stressed out. I didn't have, I didn't allow myself to have any friends. I didn't associate with many people because I was afraid that the family secret of the way my parents were would slip out when I was out chatting with my friends, if I had allowed myself to have any, because my father was known as an upstanding member of, of the town. He, like, he was like the one or the higher up in the, in the council. And he was the leader of the Lions, Center, the Lions Club there and, mm-hmm. you know. Well, Shell, I just so, want to pause right here because uh, <clears throat> in the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned that, you know, there's opposites. We talked, we touched on that. And that it's not always sunny. And and that just goes to show that for a lot of people, you you don't really know what's going on. You only see a certain side of things. And and often us as people, we're only gonna show a certain side. So you never quite know what is going on. And there's there's a yin and a yang, there's there's opposites to everything. And if you don't know you know, as a child or as mm. someone who has a limited view of what world is and how things are and how relationships work. Right. That's, that's all, you know, you don't know what you don't know. That's right. So m- my question is how were, you know, and growing up in a, in a rural community, I'm familiar with that. You, it's also a bit of a limited scope of what resources are available, people, mm-hmm. organizations, all different kinds of things. So in your town at that time, how was the school administration? Because 
so much has changed. And a lot, I think, then was probably still ruled under um, the church. Mm -hmm. So with you having, you know, some limitations physically, I was just wondering, did you find any support, you know, outside the family when I come to administration or, you know, community health or anything like that? Well, at my age, oh, I'm obviously 50 my birthday, um, that, um, no, and growing up, like I said, in a small community, we had a very small school that only went up so far as grade seven. And then we had to go to another community or town to go to finish high school or whatever. Mm -hmm. That now the principals were, and the principals and the teachers were really old, were in school, were really old school. And like, oh, what goes on beyond your own doors? There's nothing to do with what you're doing here in school. You leave that stuff at home when you come here. You're here to learn. You're not here to, you know, leave that leave that until you get home again. Right, the so emotional was, side, I, that, yeah. that old school way, yeah. Yeah, so I didn't feel like, no, I didn't feel at the time that it was any kind of support, and there's no point in me talking to anyone. Was, well, once again, I was only a child, so I didn't really know about reaching out to talk to someone anyway, but my guidance counselor never, ever wondered why or asked me any questions or I don't even know if there was a guidance counselor back then or not, um, where I was. But every year written on my high school or my junior high report card was Sheldon's mind tends to wander. Sheldon's mind tends to wander. And Sheldon has a hard job focusing. Like no, 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 no one ever questioned why or, you know, it was just Sheldon's mind tends to wander. I, yeah. I wonder why. I wonder where, I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's so much that, you know, can help explain our tendencies and it's not always what we think if you, if you sure. have a lot of stress and a lot of fear how can you really focus you can't <laughs> you can't you're you're focused on the fear and the anxiety and the stress you're not fo yeah. you're focused on like when is this feeling going to end you're not you're not focused on oh this is going or i'm in school right now doing this it's like oh god when i leave school today i gotta go home and face that you know yes so it's it's not um it's not like you had a relief or did you have any outlets yourself well, that you kind of besides you know the alcohol and the addictions I'm just curious yeah. to see if if you had like were you into reading because i know you're you've uh music music okay music was a big thing for me now not not actually physically playing music myself but i was but you know, it wasn't so easy what it is now, but everything's on Spotify and all that. Back then you had to use a double cassette player. You had to tape over the holes in order to tape off music. You had to make sure you were online, not online. Make sure, make sure you had the radio turned on at Casey Kasem's top 40. And yes. you know, you, you had to make sure you were, you know, right, sitting right next to the, oh, oh if, you, if you missed the song, oh darn, I gotta wait until next week because I hear that one again. That's you right. Know? Well, it's such an appreciation. Hey, it's not at our disposal as it is now. Right. But so I, was, um, I was big into t doing taping off music. Yeah. So that was a bit of a reprieve for you. And, you know, music is therapy. And you had mm -hmm. found that as something for you at, at a young age. Because, I mean, so many of us, you go from a survival state, but you don't know you're in survival because that's all you know. So you, you were literally in survival mode. For, oh, your, for your primitive years. 
I was. That's all I was doing was surviving. I, I wasn't living at all. I mean, people, even my visitor, even my uncles and aunts used to come and visit my grandparents because I lived with my grandparents. My mother, myself, and my father lived with my grandparents from the age of five until my age of five until I was 17 when I moved out um, because my grandparents were old and my parents wanted me to go to school with my cousins who they figured would treat me better, but no, they didn't. When my uncles and aunts used to come to visit my grandparents, they would um, say, how come Sheldon's stuck, up stairs, uh, stuck upstairs in his room all the time? How come Sheldon never comes downstairs? How come he never comes in to say hello? Well, they don't know what's going on when they're not there. They don't, they're not, they're not, they're, once again, as afraid, I'm afraid that the way things were might slip out of my mouth. Or, or I might say, uncle, whoever, um, Dad, this, dad did this today, or mom done this today, or, you know? So you you felt that you couldn't trust yourself to keep the secret? Well, kids kids got loose lips and ships. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Kids, kids, are, kids don't necessarily think, oh, I shouldn't say this because, you know, um, that's the way I think with kids. Anyway, most kids don't have that filter. Mm. But it's so, interesting, um, though, that you had that wherewithal that you were going to remove yourself in case you did say something. Well, I had to have that, I had to have that wherewithal because there was once or twice in the past that I didn't. And I learned my lesson. Um, I learned my lesson. Got that, it. Like I said, loose lips and ships and kids are supposed to be seen. Well, I'm sure I'm not the only person who's heard this. Kids are supposed to be seen and not heard. Yes. Yes. You know? Thank God that's changing. Yes, society today is much easier and much better with that type of thing than what it used to be. So, so Sheldon, when you were uh, living in the house with your grandparents, did your grandparents witness this? Or did this kind of uh, mistreatment happen and the frustrations come out when your grandparents were not there? Well, my grandparents were always there. Like They hardly left their house. They were, they were up in their 70s and 80s. Um, my grandmother was deaf. Like she had no hearing, um, so she didn't hear the arguments and whatever. Okay. And my grandfather, well, I mean, he was out in the shed most times, or he was out just around the house or whatever. But he, but even still, he just, uh, didn't know. Um, a lot of times, abuse can happen right right under your nose without mm -hmm. you even knowing about it. Um, oh, exactly. The people who are doing them kind of things are very skilled at being tricky and knowing how to hide things. Mm -hmm. Well, the reason I was bringing this up because oftentimes these things are learned generational and they're accepted. So, mm -hmm. so if often, if right. the parents are treated this way, it's carried from the grandparents because they were treated that mm -hmm. way. It's kind of, this is how yeah. we take care of things in this family. This is, this is how we discipline. So it's, mm -hmm. it's not, always kind of hidden so i was just curious to see how that was if you know because that's that's another layer if mm -hmm. your grandparents who was you know oftentimes a, a place to go or another loving resource or someone else to right. talk to are also there when this is going on I, I i can't imagine how that must have felt for you well from what i remember i i i actually blocked out or blacked out most of my childhood i i don't remember i don't remember my much up till the, the past couple of years i started to remember more about my childhood and when mm -hmm. i started working on my book and whatever um but for most of my life up till 
recently I had most of it blocked out and blacked out. But um Right. Yeah, that's a nervous I don't system really technique that our bodies do to survive. When it's it is. too overwhelming, we just Yeah. so we just It shut is. it down to keep going. Right. For sure. That's just what happened to me. Or that's what I just what I did or because I just once or twice I do remember my father and my grandfather not actually physically fighting with each other, but um verbally with each other because he, my grandfather didn't like the way my father was at times and but it's just the way things were I mean, you know that's you were saying children were no different than the other family but you know I had I know that because I wasn't in any other in, in any other family you know Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. so You you don't know what you don't know. And you're all right so dependent on those around you to take care of you. So you figure out a way to get through and you sounds like you learned other other people's patterns. So you knew what to do, what not to do, how to how to keep continue on. So So take us to when you left Chance Cove and um, you, you went to college. You mentioned you, Mm -hmm. okay. So tell us how life was when you left that home environment and then you started to make it uh, away from that on your own. Yeah. Well, to continue my journey of transformation, um, I moved, well, I got forced out of my home um, when I was like 17 years old because we When did I graduate high school? When I was seven. I was eight. Sorry, I was eight. Having a little conversation with myself here at the time is, um, I was eighteen years old when I graduated. Not seventeen. I was eighteen years old when I graduated high school. Um, my mother told me that Sheldon, because we're living with our grand, with your grandparents, they're too old to see you coming home drunk all the time. You're too old, so you you have to leave. You move to Clarenceville or go to St. John's or somewhere like that and go to college. You got to make a life for yourself. Get out. You can't stay here any longer. Okay, You so got to you go. were you were still going to school, but I'm a graduate you're of high but school. you're right, but your addictions and your behaviors Yeah. was continuing on while you were okay. Oh, yeah, I was coming home drunk almost every night of the week. I mean, passing out in the porch area of the house and People, uh, my, my mother or father would have to actually pick me up and put me to bed and all that stuff, you know. Um, Mm hmm. so that's the way I, I dealt with. And I was getting grounded every second day, every second week. I was grounded for a couple weeks, and so So I did. like I didn't a have cycle. much. It was. It was a vicious cycle I lived in. So when I was 18 years old, finally graduated high school. Don't ask me how I graduated because I don't know. Um, I don't remember. Um. I blocked my, like I said, I was, I was drinking all the time, so my memory is not the best with that. But I did. I kept going to school, and I had to do a few um, makeup exams and tests and whatever to get through, but I did. And I moved to Clarenville, and I lived in Clarenville for seven years or six years, seven or six, six or seven years. And honestly, I might remember six days um, because I continued to drink. Heavily, very heavily. I was in the hospital or in the drunk tank um, at least a couple times a week um, in the hospital, getting stitched up and from falling down drunk and ended up in the drunk tank because I was drunk and not knowing where I lived and couldn't remember where I lived and, you know, sharing the, the cell with others who weren't very nice. And, um, So, but I managed to go to college. I graduated with honors. I don't know how. 
I don't remember going to college. But I went. So what did you choose in college, Sheldon? Well, because of the way I was growing, I grew up and thinking I'd have to work. If I, because I have a physical disability, I have to work in an office. I figured, okay, I got, to, I have to take business administration. Um, so okay, so this was just something you felt that was, that was your only choice. option, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that's the way I was. I didn't even really look for anything else. Well, once again, that was back in the early 2000s. Yeah, it was back in the early 2000s. So I, there wasn't quite so many choices then as what there are now. Um, especially still, Carnival's is still a fairly small place. Mm -hmm. um, so, so up until this point, just if I can reiterate, yeah. you hadn't really had that. Okay. I'm going to, now I'm in a different place. Things are going to be different. Things are going to change. Up until that point, you were still kind of just going through the motions, trying to just figure out how to keep going whatever way you thought was the route. But it, you were still kind of just getting by. Yeah, I was just, I was, li I was surviving, not living. I was not living at all. And being homeless and living on the streets in Clarenville and okay, hold and, up. So how did you get to being homeless? Well, because when I moved to college, when I moved to Clarenville to go to college, I was getting, I was staying in bed sitters, like um, or living living in with different families, like people are oh. being a being a not a roommate. Um, what's it called? Yes, yeah, like yeah, you were kind of room, being room um... and board. I get room and board. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was staying in like, and because I was coming up, because I was still drinking, because like I got kicked out of like eight different boarding houses in like eight weeks. Oh. Uh...